0: Hey fuckers. I mean lovemakers. Welcome to Hangry and Horny. This is your host, Tony Flow Real. The show is sponsored by F-Bomb nut butters. Go to dropping check out their amazing selections of nut butters that are macadamia based. They have yummy, yummy, delicious different kinds of nut butters like macadamia and coconut. Uh, one of my favorite, salted chocolate, chocolate macadamia. And uh, they have a pecan version. Amazing snacks for the go. You can tear the, the pouch, drop it down, and uh, use it as a light snack or meal. Just gives you nice, clean, fat fuel for the body. And uh, it's really awesome for those people that are into paleo, keto, uh, even our vegan and vegetarian friends uh, like it as well. So use the coupon code FLOWREAL, F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L, and get 20% off of your first order. I love the makers of F-Bomb, Ross, and Kara. They're just awesome people. They started out making these butters just for their own use. And uh, sure enough... Other people were interested in what they were using for their keto diet. And uh, and then it just kind of took off from there. So check out DropAnFBomb.com and get yourself some delicious nut butters. On July 21st and 22nd, I'm hosting the Magic Flow Bus in Santa Cruz. And what we do is we have a 12 plus hour of awesome flowness and fun doing different things from like yoga to breathing practices to ice baths to saunas to uh crazy laughter uh all kinds of activities like biohacking technologies and things that help induce that awesome state of mind that we all love called flow state and this is where we feel our best and we feel alive. We perform our best and we just want to like be in that limited, limitless state all the time. So on 20, <laughs> excuse me, on July 21st and 22nd, we're actually having uh, basically two days of flow fun. It's an overnight camping experience, which is optional. And uh, we're going to have all kinds of professionals there from medical doctors, uh, healthcare care professionals like acupuncturists and naturopaths. And you're going to have athletes and strength coaches and uh, executives in the corporate world. It's going to be super fun. And so if you're interested, go to magicflowbus.com and uh, put in your email. You'll receive an application. This helps us curate the event and uh, look forward to seeing you guys there. My next guest is a amazing person. I met him a couple years ago, I believe, uh, through a community called the London Real Academy. And this was uh, created by my dear friend Brian Rose, who is the... Uh, host and founder of London Real Podcast. And Brian had been on a journey where he was a former banker. He got into jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And uh, he was pretty much making a huge change in his life from walking away from banking. And he started this podcast called London Real. And on this podcast, he basically uh, goes into a controversial subject in which he tries psychedelics to create a seismic shift in his perspective in life to give him maybe a new direction on where to go uh, post-banking. And so my next guest, Chris, we won't use his last name because he's protecting his reputation. He comes from the energy business uh, for about, I guess, three decades He's been in that business and he's connected with some of the, you know, high level people in uh, government and energy and business. Uh, He hails from Texas, Austin, Texas. And uh, so Chris basically heard. I like using that word basically. Chris, he heard Brian's story on London Real and became fascinated. Maybe this is something that. He may have to look into because of psychedelics being used for uh, trauma healing, for PTSD, for traumatic brain injuries. And for, again, giving somebody a new perspective on life, on, you know, the, a direction that they can go from. Um, and Chris is looking at transitioning out of the energy world. He really likes, you know helping humans and being of service and uh, still trying to find his path um, from, you know, the energy business to now. So um, Chris is, again, an awesome human being. He shares his story on how he uh, took psychedelics, um, you know, to gain that perspective. And uh, so if you're on YouTube, you can look us up under hangry and horny podcast and you'll be able to watch us um as we uh talk about chris's experiences and um you know you'll get to see what chris looks like he's kind of got like a little disguise going on but nonetheless um we'll just go by his first name chris and uh just thank you guys for tuning in and enjoy chris's story on this next episode of Hangry and Horny. Peace. Chris, how's it going? Welcome to Hangry and Horny. Good to be here, man. Good to see you, brother. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. My pleasure. Yeah, so let's get the audience, uh, let's get straight into it. So, like, give us your background. Oh, wow. Hell, I'm trying to, think where I, where the hell I think I should start? Yeah, like, let's start <laughs> with, like, your background with your, uh, your field and line of work. Okay. Uh, I'm in the energy business. I've been in the
1: energy business uh, since I got out of college. I uh, grew up in Texas and just kind of... Texas is a big energy hub, so fell into that. Moved out to California after after uh, my divorce, twenty five plus years ago, and been out west or overseas ever since. Okay, and uh, those travels have taken me to
0: most the continents. And you were you were in Austin, Texas. I was right? in Austin. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you got in the energy business. You were at, uh, from our earlier discussion, you went to University of Austin, Texas. U- University of Texas at Austin. Okay, mixed it up there. but <laughs> Yeah, no worries. Yeah, They're all works at Longhorns. 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 Yeah, yep. awesome. So how did you get into the energy business? Uh, well, I had always been fascinated with energy.
1: I mean, Texas is, you know, a home of, of energy. Uh, took st- I was economics major at Texas. And as a result of that, you know, it just kind of flowed from there. I took a big several like energy economics courses, a lot of economics courses. Ended up uh, being a teaching assistant while I was there, and my professor kind of led me a certain direction and said, "You should go over here and check that this place out." And that's where I went, and so, and uh, the rest is history. And you know, I uh, had started uh, my college career as an accounting major, and uh, I. Kind of after a couple of accounting courses, I realized that that sucked and it was soul sucking, and I really wanted—I didn't want to do something that was, uh, you know, that that constraining—and wanted to get into economics, where it was more of a thinking man's degree, where I could basically have a set of tools that I could apply to anything, and so that allowed me to uh, get into energy, and that's how, where I've been ever since. And I've been on the finance and commercial side. I've picked up enough engineering. Uh, to know kind of how things work, but you don't want want me designing or building anything. But
0: I can certainly finance it or sell it. Got it. So you go into the energy business. You've been in for how long now? Thirty years this year. Thirty years this year. Wow. Okay. And then all of a sudden, now we're gonna Delving. segue just Delving. dive right into <laughs> psychedelics. Well, <laughs> and like how you. Found that and how that's uh, come into your life, especially somebody that's been sort of in that like corporate world. Well, if you would look at me, you would never, I don't think you'd ever know that I
1: uh, w- have uh, become a bit of a psychonaut. But uh, six years ago, six years ago, September, I was uh, in Salt Lake City. Uh, that's where I was living and working at the time. And I was just out on a, you know, a, a September afternoon, Saturday. Out riding my bike, I had a steak marinating in the fr- refrigerator. I was going to have a little bit of wine and watch Texas play Old Miss. And about 30 seconds from home, I was uh, cranking up, had all my – um, I was standing up, had all my weight on the front wheel, made a turn. On your bike. A, on my bicycle, I uh, hit a buckle in the road, and I went ass over teakettle right into the concrete, hit first. I broke my fall with my uh, right pinky. Uh Got up, was stunned and shocked. Uh, recognized that my neck was was sore and it was hurting, but everything moved. Uh, but my my pinky was kind of going opposite directions. And I said, "Oh, that's that's fucked up. A little uh, sideways there." Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I said, "That's going to that's going to need some help, work." Uh, a couple stopped on a motorcycle and said, to see if I was okay. Uh, I wa- I thought I was. And I kind of picked myself up, walked the bike home, hung it up, went upstairs, took a shower, and then drove myself to the emergency room. I get to the emergency room, the uh the resident goes, oh, I can fix that, fix the uh the ring, the uh, the finger. So he he done he he done it, it, popped and straightened it up, put a brace on it, and he says, Yeah, yeah, but my my neck's kinda of hurting, he goes, okay. And uh So off to the CT machine we went. I got a CT of my neck, and I came back about 20 minutes later, and he had put me in a paper neck brace. And 20 minutes later, he came back and goes, Dude, you broke your neck. Wow. Uh, This is now serious. We're going to put you in a real neck brace. Uh, At that time, then the head of trauma came in. And goes, Chris. I'm the head of trauma. Uh, we now have a team, and we're gonna kind of walk you through. You're gonna you're gonna be spending the night. So, all this started going on in the new neck brace. In the neck brace, I'll, a physician assistant shows up and tells me, Chris, we're having a casual conversation, but this could very easily have been a serious conversation. You're gonna be fine, but dude, this could have ended a lot differently. It's a good thing you're in good shape. And what part of your neck broke? Uh, I cracked the C5 and the C6. So uh, that kind of was disturbing because I had actually lost a good friend of mine to a bicycle accident three weeks to the day prior. So it kind of hit me at once. Then from there, they checked me out and went upstairs and spent the night in the hospital. Neurosurgeon came in and just checked on me to make sure I was okay. And just ended up spending the night in the hospital. Didn't sleep. It was kind of one of those dark nights of the soul. Mm -hmm. And what I remember most was kept, going on through my head was steve jobs commencement speech at stanford i kept going over that kept going over and over in my head about you know what he was saying about you know don't like what you're doing then don't do it life's too short and i was working for a firm that really wasn't adding value it was taking value from the from the, the supply chain uh, if I had to do it over again, I would have just gone on short term disability, and never went back. Uh, but I was in a neck brace for eight weeks, couldn't travel and had some interesting interactions with those folks. Well, what do you mean you can't travel? I said, Do you want the note from the doctor? He goes, Yeah. So I had a good note from a doctor. Here I am, fifty years old. I've got you know C level contacts all over the West and I'm having to basically be being treated like a child. I said, Okay, I'm I'm ready to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we negotiate exit and Was looking at doing some other things, wanted to get overseas and apply my skills there. But as part of that process, you know, my neck was still hurting. So fortunately, I discovered a upper cervical chiropractor, a board certified one in Salt Lake. And I was contemplating neck surgery. And then he was able to fix my neck literally in one morning. One morning. One morning. He's uh, what they call upper cervical chiropractor, NUCA, which is National uh, Upper Cervical Chiropractic Association. Three x-rays, one moving the C1 over. And I went from having 20 more pounds of weight on my left side to my right and having my left leg be three-quarters of an inch shorter than my right. And it was fixed literally in one second. Really? Yeah, I felt the pop. And it's like, wow, all of a sudden this felt blood started rushing into my head. Uh, a couple months later, I ended up working with his wife, who's my nutritionist, and started you know, kind of rebooting my gut and started really going down the health path. And as far as getting overseas to do work, I ended up almost wound up in Saudi Arabia, which in hindsight would have been a really bad thing to do, mm-hmm. given, given where I was about to be headed. Uh, ultimately uh, landed a, a year and a half gig in Jamaica. And I was in Kingston, so Yaman. Yeah, I was in <laughs> Kingston town, and uh, when I was there, you know, I was you know working uh, with a large company there. They had a very special need, and I was I felt it, and it worked, filled it, and it worked out very well. And I kind of I wouldn't say I became a hermit, but I took the I discovered podcasts okay. when I was there, and this would be would have been the spring and summer of two thousand and fourteen. So four, you know, four years ago. Right. So I started diving into things and all of a sudden, you know, I find Ben Greenfield, I find Dave Asprey and I find Brian Rose on London real. And I started listening to Brian's podcast and he started talking about, you know, his psychedelic journeys, his, his time, you know, doing ayahuasca and DMT. And I said, and I started to identify, Right. Because
0: he also talked about being a banker, a former banker. So you could relate to that. I could relate. And one of the things
1: I got out of the, the, the gig is like, I really felt soulless. And I realized that, you know, that night in the hospital, I was there by myself. So there was no one else there. Um,
0: no family no
1: family my family's you know back in Texas I mean they offered to come out. I said, know I'm gonna be fine, but it was, there was no no girlfriend, no wife, no anything. so mm. kind of a, it was kind of a kind of way, of a wake-up call of sorts Lonely and, really, and yeah, it was very lonely and I wanted so it's time to go start doing something else. So I t- took the time in Jamaica got, went the deep dive and started listening to Brian's thoughts on ayahuasca and things like that. And I said, you know what I need to go do that. I need to do that because I realized that there was something missing in my life. I was closed off. Uh, I had lost a very big project um, a few years back, and and and, and also I was dating a woman at the same time. She conveniently disappeared right after the $15 billion bonus didn't show up. Which I guess, in hindsight, was a good thing, right? Yeah,
0: blessing in disguise. Blessing man. in disguise. Yeah. Uh,
1: is the, there's a uh, anyway? There's a gold this, digger. Well, there's the <laughs> the gold digger cart, the gold digger uh, uh, video online. When the guy hands him the girl, the guy hands the girl a gold shovel. Yeah right so that's what that's what in hindsight that's what i was looking at dealing with yeah so
0: that worked out
1: what was with it the, that brian said that resonated for you well the fact you know he you know he had been a banker so you know a lot of the stuff everything i do is it's big dollar and it's got to be financed so i deal with bankers i deal with attorneys all the time so it was like okay it just really resonated with me as far as you know how empty his life felt that's being a part of that and you know so it was, it was a very powerful statement said, yeah, I need to go understand that. And like I said, I had lost these things and I really hadn't dealt with them properly. And also, as we discussed earlier today, there was a lot of other deep seated trauma from my upbringing that also really hadn't been dealt with. I mean, I had done therapy, but therapy, therapy only goes so far, you know, talk therapy in my mind is a good thing. And I think it prepared me for my, the, the things I saw in my, in my, in my trips, but it, it was, uh, it's not just the, th- the therapy itself was not enough. Mm. So
0: like psychotherapy,
1: like psychotherapy and, you know, you know, based yeah, base talk therapy, as I would call it. Yeah. Like I said, it helped, you know, it allowed me to help process a lot of things. So this is now the summer of 2014. I'm going. You know, I need to go do this, and I needed to go back into the states to do some medical stuff. So uh, I called my astrologer. I said, "You mentioned some stuff,
0: astrologer, astrologer." so, which, so now, you, yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm introducing a lot of things into the into the ether. So here. were
0: you just like, you know, a closet uh, energy I, guy, like in terms of? Like subtle energy, not just like the energy business, but you were. Into- I've always,
1: I've always noticed there's something different. And also, my father was a physician. and He goes, Chris, we don't have all the answers, and mm-hmm. he was spot on about that. But I've always had a fascination with astrology and, and a few other things. Uh, but you we'll weren't to- open with that in your. Energy no, no, I, I no, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, by the way, my astrologer said this. I, it's not kind of stuff you talk about when you're yeah. looking at a deal or you're looking at pro formas and things like that. So. You know, I talked to her. I said, "Well, I want to go go to go to Peru and go go find a shaman and go go do some ayahuasca." And "I said, I've got the guy for you." So perfect. So I get his contact information. I reach out to his United States uh, handler, and I get, get, get in touch with his name's Cucho. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm emailing this guy I've never met in you know, Aconcilentes, Peru, saying, "Hey, I want to do this. So here's the time frame I want to be there." And uh we went back and forth and he came up with a program and you know, I sent this guy didn't know, you know, thousand dollars to book my trip.
0: Just a random dude. Just a
1: random guy. Through a recommendation. recommendation. Yeah.
0: And before that though, like the only experience that you had that altered your consciousness was either alcohol, a pot, or cocaine. Correct. And like I said,
1: I was, you know, Hendon Coke since March of eighty six. Uh you know, did pot occasionally? Well, probably a little hash too, but uh, by and large, I was just a booze hound, which is you know ironic since my father died of alcoholism. I, I masked the pain by getting drunk myself, so
0: yeah, it created it, a cycle. It created yeah, a cycle, yeah. and
1: as they say, so all cycles are broken until they're bro- uh, all cycles repeat until they're broken. So that, you know, off I went in September of 2014. I go get all checked up. Like four months later after you listen to a podcast. Podcast, I'm on my way to Peru. Wow. Going to go do ayahuasca with a guy I never met. And so what happened? <laughs> well, I get there. I get, to Lima, I get to Lima. And by the way, Peru is if you, just for, you know, for people who don't want to do ayahuasca. Go to Lima anyway. It's a beautiful town. It's a beautiful – Peru Peru's a beautiful country. And I uh, spent the night in Lima. And, of course, in, also to back up a bit, you know he, he sent me a diet. So, I mean, part of doing ayahuasca is part of the preparation, the dieta. And I went through all the necessary prep work. I, you know, started, you know, pulling things out of my diet, you know, backing off red meat and started eating only fish and chicken, took out all the spices and no pork and all, everything you're supposed to do in order to be ready. And it kind of sets the framework uh, for your journey. So, from uh from from Lima, I fly up to Cusco, and I get off the plane at Cusco. And there's this little guy who's about, you know, four six, leather hat, and, and chewing coca leaves. And you know, you know, he goes, Chris. And he goes, uh, he goes, yep. Because he here, and he goes, come on. So uh, off we went, and uh, he had to, he had booked a hotel for me, and. You know, we you know, went for a tour of Cusco, and the next day, uh, we went out for a, a tour of some of the Eakin uh, ruins uh, in the area. And that afternoon, we went down to the river, and we started talking kind of what I wanted to accomplish on the trip. And kind of, I was, I felt, you know, basically telling I was closed off. And, you know, I had been, I'd been married before, and I'll, I'll admit to, that, to this, that I was, you know, emotionally broken. And I was clo- I was broken like a clock. I couldn't you know couldn't really e- express my feelings, my emotions, etc. And that that was part of the reason why the marriage car uh, uh, blew up. So I kind of like I own that piece of it. So we started talking about these things, and then we we uh, then I went on my first psychedelic journey, which was piyote. So we're on this great river river bank. Okay. And uh, took a big gulp of peyote. And that's a cactus. That's the top of a cactus. Well, they call it, it's what, what chuma is called in it. Uh, It's it's similar to peyote. If not, it it just depends on what flower it is. Right. But at that point in time, I, then I took another big uh, gulp, gulp of it. And then things started to move. Mm. The rocks started to move. The scenery started to move. And, you know, Kucha was there kind of to hold space. And that's when I started feeling the presence of relatives. And what's interesting is, through all my experiences, that when I take a a paternal type of psychedelic, the women in my life show up. And when I take a maternal psychedelic, the men show up, which is very fascinating. And, and we'll get inborn to that. Okay. But, you know, that's where I felt the presence of my mother, who had passed away several years ago. And then... My, And then her mother kind of going, Hey, it's going to be okay. You're fine. Going to be fine. So that started opening things up. So you felt their presence. You didn't actually see them? I felt their presence. Okay.
0: I felt their presence, but didn't see them. I
1: didn't see them. I didn't, I I didn't have, I didn't, like I said, I didn't have, it was a daytime experience. I didn't have, you know, quote unquote visions. I just, my reality was altered and it was kind of like a a gateway. Kind of like we just kind of opened the door Mm. into my soul. It kind of you know it was kind of a good what I say warm up session. So
0: Cusco, he Cusco,
1: yeah, in Cusco, but it was outside of Cusco. Okay. And then um, the next day, Cucho and I. Oh, uh, Cucho. Cucho. Yeah. Cucho, Cucho and I. Then we went through the Sacred Valley on our way up to uh, Acocholentis, and uh, just basically a tour of a lot of Incan ruins. Which, is, like I said, it's a beautiful country, and the Incas were very powerful civilization and it was it was good you know so I was mixing in not only the psychedelic work but also you know a, a good uh, historical uh, yeah, frame ancient ancient uh, you know civilization exactly yeah exactly wow. uh then you know we boarded the train at Tambo and off to Aquacalentis we went so the first day there or we spent the night and then the next day we did the what I deem the tourist version of Machu Picchu. So, saw all the sites there. Uh, and for some reason, then while we were there during the middle of the day, these two women found Cucho. And we, I got drugged into like a tobacco ceremony being done in Spanish. I had no idea what was said or done, but I was just kind of on the outskirts, kind of watching this go down. And apparently, they were two witches from Mexico. And they had asked Cucho to participate and facilitate some things. And so, that was kind of a, a very Interesting experience. Bizarre. It was, it was it was it was just you know part of the culture. It's yeah, like yeah. okay, cool. Two yeah. witches from Mexico. Two witches from Mexico. And what was interesting about this day was it was it was the it was uh it was for Peru, it was the spring equinox.
0: Wow. So
1: I yeah, it was like I said it was a very interesting time to be there. Yeah, and Machu Picchu. In Machu Picchu. Wow, on top yeah. of it. So we did that. Uh, great experience the next day. Uh, we gathered our gear and we, we hiked up about three and a half, two and a half out, two and a half three hours to cucho 's campsite, which is on, actually on the back side of uh, Machu Picchu, actually technically Wana Picchu. Wana Picchu is the mountain mm. in the background you see the famous mountain in, the, in all those pictures. that 's Wana Picchu. So we got to his camp, relaxed there the first day, and he 's got a little Malacca, which is a ceremony where you, you, can, uh, you drink ayahuasca. So we set, I set up my tent, and we're there in the high jungle. First night, you know, we had, you know, and, of course, we're, I'm eating very lightly at this point, uh, mainly water and some soup, uh, uh, quinoa, but, you know, something very light because part of the process is a purge. You know, you don't get a purge with wachuma or peyote but you do get a purge with ayahuasca and that's part of the, what you're facilitating. Right. Either the vomiting or mm-hmm. a diarrhea yep. or both. Or both. Yes. Now, so the first time we got there, we sat in the fire and as soon as it got dark, we went into the Malacca and Kucho uh, started uh, reciting Iqueros, which are the songs of the ayahuasca and we started doing that and then I, we, he goes, and he, Poured out the ayahuasca. I took a big, a big gulp, or actually, you know, I drank the entire contents of the, of the cup. Waited out of thirty minutes. Took some more, and I think, after listening to Brian, after li- and doing a lot of research, you know, listening to all the Aubrey Marcus podcasts, the Joe Rogan podcast, and things, like that, I think the first night, I was too bound up to purge. But what I did feel was a presence in my body. Mm. I felt a, a physical presence moving around my body kind of checking things out you felt it go up to my head i felt it uh go down into i had injured my knee playing football in high school it felt i felt my it checked out my knee kind of checked around but i couldn't really purge uh so i didn't sleep that we, we, we we were in the malacca for about three or four hours and i didn't sleep that well that night but the next day got up kind of wandered around the high jungle and the next night we did, you know, we repeated it yeah, after, the, after we had a light, light lunch and then a, just a very, very light dinner. Went back into Malacca and then I did, did have some more ayahuasca. Then I another, another, uh, first, then a second gulp and then I purged and really purged. Mm. It came very quick. Uh, and that's when the hallucinations started. So, ayahuasca is a maternal energy. And that's when my father showed up. OK, uh, basically, his, you know, his presence showed up and it felt like he was speaking to me because, Chris, you're on the right path. In fact, you should continue down this path. You're going the right direction. You're going to be fine and kept going. And um, a lot of other things kind of went through that night. And the next morning when I woke up, I. I understand how James Cameron came up with Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Because there I am in the high jungle. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around going, wow, everything really is connected.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It really is connected.
0: And it was a very powerful experience. And. So you saw some of the same imagery that's in that movie.
1: I very much so. I mean, I felt you know like I was you know I was you know walking in the high jungle. I, I could see where all the plants were connected, all the trees were connected, the animals, the wildlife, everything. And it was a very very powerful experience. And yeah, we we broke camp, walked another two and a half three hours back into town. Um, that night I just kind of relaxed. And took it easy. And then the next day, we, we walked, we went back up to, to Machu Picchu. And then we hiked up to Juana Picchu, which is, a you know, thank God for coca leaves. Because it's a hike from like 6,000 feet to 9,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And I recall going past a group of Brazilians, and I kind of jokingly asked them how old they were. I said, How old are you guys? Oh, we're 30. And it was 30 something. And I just started laughing because what's so funny? Because I'm 50 something. I'll see you at the top of the mountain as we're passing them. Mm. And once we got up there, I never saw them. And we stayed up there for like five or six hours. And it was a, it, when we got up there, it was kind of a cloudy day. The clouds broke, but it was beautiful. We, there, was, there was two condors, baby condors, flying around. Wow. Uh, and you could see four miles wow. from up there. It was a very powerful experience. And then uh then Kuchu and I, and Kucha knows all the folks there. And then from there we we kind of walked around the another part of the, the top and we it's kind of walk uh, roped off. And we sat in a cave and there we I had my second experience of Wachuma Piety, uh, on top of Machu Picchu or Wanapichu. And that experience was even more powerful than the first because everything else had had opened up and that there's something very special about that place. And you you, it, you know, for one it's, it's physically beautiful, but there's something magical, mystical going on there. There's something I can't quite put my finger on there.
0: And it's tangible to you. It's
1: tangible to me. Yeah. It really, it really, it really is. And, you know, had another piota experience and I felt the mountain kind of come alive and Cucho later commented, goes, "That was a very powerful experience you had, and I, yeah, I'm still trying to grasp as far as you know, kind of putting all the words together how it experienced, but it kind of it continued to open things up." And Cucho was he on this too? Well, he he never he never he, never, he didn't he doesn't take the heroic dose. He takes just a taste, okay. so he can he can be on the same pl- uh, frequency. Right. Right. And that's what's going on. Okay. So had that you know got that experience and then after about four or five hours once i came down we then made it our way down uh the mountain which if you've ever seen juanapichu that's not an easy task and uh some people you think that's kind of irresponsible i don't believe i felt safe the entire time and that's why if you anyone out there is thinking about doing this
0: make sure you have a an experienced spotter Mm mm-hmm yeah, super important with it, the set and setting and the experience of and, the spotter, uh, the, sp- the, or the, shaman. Spot or the shaman. You know, yeah.
1: just if some guy is you know doing this for the first time because he read a book or he got some information off the internet, don't do it. It's you know, this yeah. is your
0: mind, this is your body. Bad things can happen. Yeah, this takes years of training wow. and mastery under like a master yeah. to learn, not some weekend course. Yeah, there's no, you don't want to do uh, a psychedelic experience with a weekend warrior. Yeah
1: and so came down the mountain I kind of got dehydrated uh, got back into town and went out for dinner and then later that night I just felt kind of my entire body give up everything and I went literally got into the shower and turned the shower on and I was everything I was removing tons of toxins from everywhere I could and I was in that shower probably for about an hour what do you mean by that? Uh, I was coming out of both ends. I was, I was throwing up. I was, you know, I had runs. I had every, it was, my body was getting, it said, you've had too many toxins in your body. You've given us the right
0: material and we're getting rid of it all now. Okay. So there was some stored metabolic waste. There was a lot of stored metabolic waste. A lot of people hear toxins and they think, "Oh God, here's this woo woo talk again," you know. It's, but it's basically waste. It's waste. And yeah, it, that was it, stored in your system, and it's
1: not just waste; it's also emotional waste, emotional uh-huh. energy. So there was a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that needed to be kind of removed. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Slept great that night. Uh, next day we head back. You know, we head back down the mountain, down the train back to Cusco, say my goodbyes, back to Lima, and then back to Kingston.
0: Wow. And speaking of ways too, could have been like old bugs in you as well. It could have been all kinds of things, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Yeah.
1: And it was kind of, you know, it was a very, like I said, it was, you know, very good, wonderful experience. But the only thing that I would say is that when you go on one of these experiences, be careful how you integrate yourself back into the Western world. Yeah, because it makes it very difficult. It because because you go from, you know, understanding where Avatar came from to like then having to deal with you know getting on a plane mm-hmm. and going through customs, or checking into a hotel. And I came back through Panama. I had to deal with all that. And then what was interesting when I got back to Kingston, I got back to the company, Chris. You seem much more relaxed.
0: Yeah, yeah. So good, palpable for other people. Palpable for other people. Yeah. They didn't know what was going they didn't, on. <laughs>
1: they, didn't, they didn't know what I had gone and just got. They're got, like, got, what did you do? This what last did you week? do? <laughs> so that was there was you know the anecdotal benefit. Right. People knowing. Plus I felt more I felt more
0: grounded, felt more relaxed and so you're saying that you were just like wounded up, like for- I, I would say extremely
1: wound up. Yeah. I can I in my entire life I can I've been on. And the only way I got off got or turned off was by drinking.
0: Mm. Yeah, so you're just like fight or flight fight or flight. Sympathetic.
1: And that system. goes back to a lot of things I've done. I mean, I've done a spec scan with you know at the Amen Clinic and it shows this big bright orange ball in the middle of my skull. You know, Which fire. is
0: like the reptilian. The re- like reptile brain. Yeah, okay. it's yeah. On, limbic know, system. Limbic system's on fire. You know, it's, wow. just, it's classic, you know, PTSD pattern. Oh. Uh, and so at this point, did you have any head injuries before that? Uh, well,
1: I had had, uh, you know, football stuff. Okay. Uh, growing up in Texas, you're supposed to play football, right? Right. And, and now I, I wish I could go back and tell, like, you really don't want to do this. <laughs> it's not worth
0: it. Yeah, you know. yeah. So, I mean, we're going to get into yeah. that side of things, yeah. too. So you came back. You're in Kingston. Came back to Kingston. Happened?
1: And then what happened is, like, I realized I enjoyed what I did. I got a lot out of it. But what I realized was is that I needed more. So I started looking into boga trips. And how did you find out about that? Uh, once again, I found that out through uh, Brian Brian Rose or through London Real. Okay. Now, Brian hadn't, hasn't done a boga. Uh, but Graham Hancock, Graham, Graham Hancock had, and right. that's why I got picked up on. I said, "Okay, what's this stuff?" Hmm. And and I fe- it was like I heard a calling, and it's like okay, started doing research, and I reached out to some people, and some of the trips that people were planning, oh, you can come to Dominican Republic, but I need twelve grand, and all this stuff. I said, yeah, you know what? That's not not really." And what I had re- read about Iboga, it's like it's, that's a difficult journey, and it's actually more difficult physiologically than ayahuasca. was I had some risk in yeah there's some definite risk the heart. In my, yeah yeah so i kind of waved that off and then got back to the states uh started a new gig and lo and behold i'm listening to uh dave asprey's podcast and this would have been march 2016 so i am gotten back into the, the western world and i'm sitting back in utah doing 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 my, doing my craft and I listened to this podcast from Crossroads, which uh, at the time was a, a clinic in Tijuana, Mexico, Rosarita, Mexico, just south of Tijuana, that specializes in uh, Iboga and DMT. What they did was is they do heroin detox on weekdays and they do psychospiritual on the weekends. Mm. And it really kind of resonated. Okay. I said, I want to
0: do that. And this was like March. And this, this particular substance had been uh, very instrumental for people overcoming some serious addictions. Serious addictions. I mean, they have a very high success rate. Like alcohol and heroin. Alcohol,
1: right? heroin, crack, you know, a number of things. Uh, from what I understand that, you know, there's eboga, which is the substance of the bark of a tree from Western Africa and Gabon. That contains 12 alkaloids. And then what they use for the detox is Ibogaine, which is one of those alkaloids distilled down. And Evidently, that is able to do things even more refined, especially with heroin.
0: Okay. It completely resets your neurotransmitters. And you were saying earlier that the locals tell the story of how they found out oh, that yeah. this thing was psychoactive. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, yeah, apparently, as the, as the legend has it, uh, they, the, lo, the, the natives in Gabon, were out hunting one day and they, you know, they killed us killed again, killed some game and they became, they started hallucinating and they figured out that they, this game was chewing on the bark of this tree. So they reverse engineered it and that's became part of their practice by in, introducing this, you know, eboga into their rituals and from a tribal standpoint, what that traditionally is used for is it's used for the rite of passage as boys become men. Mm. But as far, and then so back to the podcast, this is on a Friday, the next Monday I'm on a phone call to Crossroads when, when can I, when can I go, how much is it? And when can I go? Wow. So I submit, you know, play, uh, gave my deposit and this was mid, this is early March and I had booked a trip for uh first part of May. And who was on the podcast for Crossroads? Uh, it was Dan, Dr. Dan, Which we pr- uh, Dr. Or Dan, or uh, earlier uh, huh? and then there was also, um, the woman that runs being true to you and then also the, uh, the uh, which is the integrative piece of this which is so important and like then there was uh, and there was yeah, and yeah. there was Martine Palombo I think Palanco, Palanco, yeah. who was the owner of Crossroads who basically started it because I think he had a cousin that had a, a serious drug problem dependency problem that was treated with a bogus so I've got to you know I have to do this because I think by training technically I think he's an ophthalmologist wow And he's now gotten into, this is now his calling Mm -hmm. as a result. I think at the time, Dr. Dan was the medical director for Crossroads. So I listened to that, and I was like, okay, off I'm going to go do this. And in preparation for that, I started doing a number of things, you know, um, from a spiritual standpoint. Because I realized that this is a much bigger leap. You know, from the conversations Graham Hancock had, With Brian about this on on London Real podcast, and also the research I did, and also part of this research was done where was Aubrey Marcus's blog about the the difference between ayahuasca and iboga, and what you should do depending on what you're looking for, what you should do. And I was stuck, and as a consequence, I said that's what I gotta go do. So my 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 my, the my higher self knew what I needed to go do. And I refer to my higher self as a different entity from my ego. Okay. Which will be important in a couple of minutes.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, we talk about <clears throat> flow and other episodes of mm-hmm. Angry and Horny. And it's that sort of part of yourself that feels like you when yeah. the, the inner critic monkey mind shuts off. And it's, that's what they call like that ego or the mm-hmm. default mode network. And when that like quiets down, and you just have pure signal, you finally feel like you there's no like doubt. There's a lot of clarity, and you feel like really charged. Mm-hmm. You know? So your higher self, as you coined it or termed it, yeah, that's that's the part that you felt. Like, I think intuition, so intuition said, go moment. do that. Yeah, and
1: you know, instead of the drunken monkey, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> and I'll admit, there's a little bit of foreboding because this is a this is a dangerous substance, and and what, where I felt comfortable was this, the framework Crossroads operates in. You know, they are it's a cl- medical clinic. There are doctors present. There are nurses present. So I felt safe starting to go down that path. Uh, so as part of my preparation, you know, I started. You know, I had already cleaned up my diet a lot, but I you know started. I, wouldn't drink it that much, so I did with eboga, you don't get, you don't have quite the reaction that you have because it, it impacts different neurotransmitters than ayahuasca does. But I just basically, you know, still wanted to get focused and take care of it uh, that way, and uh, in the right setting. Mm-hmm. And so, as part of that, I also did another, another astrology reading. I also did an akashic reading, wow. so which kind of pulled in a past life. And my akashic reader actually pulled in. A ceremony that, or actually, from a prior life, I had been killed, eaten, and by a lion after my after taking a boga. That's what she pulled out. It's like wow. And she also, interesting enough, said, "Your father will will greet you on your way in." Interesting. Does she
0: know you're taking a boga?
1: Yeah, she knew I was going to. Okay. Because it was you know where I, she know. I mean, I told her what I was up to and kind of where I was. You know, I wanted some guide, spiritual guidance before I went
0: in. Okay
1: so you know i get there first of may you it's this is when they were operating at
0: uh rosarita so they pick you up at the san diego airport so I so, so let's look back up a little bit because uh we actually met right before we did yeah we did yeah you reached out to me mm-hmm. and uh i was down in san diego for work <clears throat> And so I actually got to see you before you went down to Mexico. And then I saw you a few days later. You saw me when, the, when I got back, back. When you got back. So you are the bookend. Yeah. So I was able to see like the changes in you, like, mm-hmm. you know, physically, energetically. It was it was pretty wild. Yeah. And I appreciate that. So it was good to get that positive feedback. And
1: for I mean, you said it yourself before I went in, I had like I had a darkness on one side of my
0: Yeah. Yeah, you and this had like uh maybe like you were just a little stiffer. Yeah. You know. Um and then you early, you mentioned earlier about uh neurotransmitters so mm-hmm. you actually got a a pretest correct of your neurotransmitters in your brain by a clinic in in uh, Utah. Utah. And then you you did a post test. did a post test. Just to set up the framework
1: the pretest uh my narrow, my uh serotonin was extremely low my norepinephrine epinephrine ratio was completely full fight or flight and basically i was still even though the ayahuasca help i'd still had issues from a neurotransmitter standpoint as far as how i was op- my brain was operating
0: okay so just for the audience what is uh what's the symptoms of having like low serotonin oh, it's and- basically it leads to depression
1: okay I mean, that's what, you know, they call it serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That's what they're trying to do is make sure you boost your serotonin. Okay. And so evidently what I had done with ayahuasca had helped from a personal standpoint, but it still hadn't helped me enough physiologically. And also I felt I still needed to do more work. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, when I got the spec scan, I actually did the spec scan after the ayahuasca. So it was still, still showing signs of the PTSD. Okay. And... So I, I, so I did all did the neurotransmitter test. Met with you literally the Thursday night before I went down, and. My, by the way, I still appreciate you doing that. By the way, because you had yeah. not met me for you didn't know who the hell I was. I other than we, we were, had, we had connected
0: through <laughs> London Real Podcast, and it was like, hey, I just still appreciate the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. was like one of the people in the London Real Academy, yeah. and and uh, you reached out, said you were in town. I, I, You're like, hey, let's meet up. Um, I didn't know who you were, but you know, you're a member of the academy. So mm. I was like, absolutely. Let's meet up, you know, and had no idea what you were about to do <laughs> until I explained it. Yeah. And then, um, what
1: was interesting about that was that we met there, we were at the Hilton there in, uh, San Diego on the waterfront. And I, this is where you get back to, I get back to this story where my dad, I would see my dad before I went in. My father was a, u- a urologist, a kidney Bladder doctor, and at that hotel was the uh, in the annual convention of urologists for the for the United States, and it's like okay, and I just kind of, and when I found that out I just started laughing. I was said, "Yeah, mm, that's yeah, kind of your vicious. dad is
0: here. My dad's here, he and yeah. you're gonna be
1: fine. Go ahead." Wow. Um, so that morning, I you know took a cab, checked out, took a cab, and uh, went to the airport, and you know met the staff for Crossroads. And you know everyone everyone showed up, so there were six of us going to do this, and we all got we all I think nine of us got into one car or two cars there was uh you know the six of us and a psychospiritual counselor and then the staff, the drivers and stuff, and they took us across the border for our first stop was they stopped at a clinic they wanted to take they wanted to draw blood, they want to make sure that your liver's functioning so you can actually process eboga. And with women they want to make sure you're not pregnant because eboga will terminate a pregnancy on the spot. So you do that, you get to the clinic, they run you through the doctors check you out, check your blood pressure, check your weight and that kind of stuff. And then you have a light meal that afternoon and then you kind of just kind of hang out and we, it was a very interesting vibe among the group. and it was myself. there was a health blogger from New York, a FinTech guy from New York, a Marine who had spent time in Fallujah. And from my observation, he clearly had PTSD ticks. And there was a, uh, a couple from LA who were, who were in the entertainment business. And, you know, so we're all kind of sitting there figuring each way and figuring each, way, you know, each other out, kind of what we're there. And it's kind of an interesting experience because we all know why we're there and we all know we're about to step into a really serious experience. So you get there and it's a, it's like a medical ward, and there's three beds on each side. There's a nurses station in the middle. Like I said, they check you out physically, make sure you're okay. You have a light meal, and then you kind of just hang out. And that night, about eight o'clock, uh, that you get they you know tell you to stop drinking water. They want and then they know you know make want you to you know makes clear out your your bladder and make sure you don't have to get up much because you once you're on this stuff you really don't want to move around much because you're kind of kind of incapacitate you they set you up in an iv so you get an iv saline drip with magnesium and that's to protect your heart and they leave the iv setup in and they they, they, well, they take the bag away but they leave the iv setup in case they have to reverse the aboga experience okay they then set you like up an antidote or an something. antidote of some kind i don't know what that would that be but what they do then is you know they strap you up with an oximeter put your heart monitors on and, you know, there's a heart monitor at the end of your bed with the oximeter. And that's the one thing I kept knocking mine off. Oh. They kept waking, you know, they, you're not asleep, but they kept, you know, nodding me to get the thing back on to make sure they could keep my, what well, my how I was breathing. And then about 10 o'clock, they came in and gave us a test batch of a boken It was just a little pill. Okay. You know, took that. You know, nothing really happened. Ten thirty, they come back, give you the uh, f- the first full dose. They come back at eleven, they give you the second full dose. By eleven o five, the train left the station, and I started hearing loud things in my like a train literally was in my ear. Uh and uh, you close your eyes, and my field of vision, I just started seeing lasers and technicolors and all kinds of stuff. I could started. I had super sensory hearing perception. I could hear things out on the street and they were sound like they were right next to me. And then about where thir- what I'm guessing is 30 to 40 minutes in it, after the psych, after the lasers and stuff, then I start, then it starts getting into my field of vision or things. From- I'm thinking from a prior life. I'm seeing things from Europe. I'm seeing all kinds of things. And then I started getting into my life. And it was like, and when you go through this experience, you kind of, it's like your life passes in front of you, but it's like on an iPad and you're like just flipping pictures. And what was I, it, very interesting is like, sometimes you just see the picture and then sometimes you go into the scene and that's what I, that's what happened. I mean, I, and one of the first things I remember is I saw my birth. I, and I had a traumatic birth. I was I was a bloody gooey mess, and I smelled like shit because I came out with such force and fury. I literally ripped my mother a new asshole, mm. and that was that pick, picked up on the resume on the uh, the X-ray when I got my neck fixed uh, with the upper cervical upper cervical chiropractor. So I picked up on that. Um, I saw a lot of scenes from my pre from uh, from when I was a toddler. You know, pre-verbal stuff some of the things I won't get into because I, anyway, but there's some personal stuff regarding my mother and other things that I, but there were, I saw a lot of that and it kind of explains a lot. I saw where she dropped me and I saw where I landed on the left side of my head, which I think is one of my TBI came from um, traumatic brain injury. Traumatic brain. Yeah. So I'm seeing all this stuff going on. I saw an issue with an old girlfriend. I saw an issue with my ex wife. I mean, And what's interesting is that we know all these things, but we contain all the information we need, but our ego gets in the way. And what Iboga does, it literally rips your ego away where you can actually see your life. I kept going through this experience, kept going, seeing other things, and I just remember thinking to myself, God, I have to remember all this stuff because I have to write it down. I just remembered as soon as I could get lucid enough to write stuff down, I did. Uh, But the most powerful experience was late in in the process, way after midnight, I saw two versions of my death. I saw the good death and I saw basically the ghost of Christmas future from Scrooged. (laughs) Uh, The good death is I'm old. I have white hair. I'm in bed with my wife, woman, whatever she is at the time and i pass peacefully into the night the ghost of christmas future death i come out of this floor into this very cold marble room and i see it's like and i see this casket and the casket's open so i walk around and there's no one else else in the room but me and the casket I walk around and see in the casket and in the casket is me in a hoodie and on the hoodie and on, and on my chest is a piece of paper, a picture of me in a hoodie saying nobody. And I just scared the shit out of me. Like, Oh wow. Cause that my, my subconscious, my higher self going, you need to get your act together. Cause otherwise this is where you're headed. Wow. Um, so I got that and then, Very powerful experience. And then from there, I basically for the next couple to two or three hours, then I saw, then I had my higher self arguing with my ego. And higher self going, you need to back off. You're getting in Chris's way. Oh, no, my ego's going, but I have to protect Chris. No, Chris is fine. You're getting in his way. You need to stop what you're doing. He'll be okay. He's gotten through all the bad stuff. You're going to be, he's going to be fine. So that went on, and then after that, it felt like Dan Pena had jumped into the side of my head, <laughs> and I had this stern ass father telling me to get my shit together. And that's what you know. Boga is a very powerful, masculine energy, and it, that's that. And that was the last piece of it, it was this stern, this powerful male doc, you know, stern uh, stern injury going get your shit together, mm-hmm. and. I stood and I, from there it kind of, the visions kind of ended, but I was still incapacitated, and I think I, I think I'm getting about. I got a bed about one forty-five that afternoon. Um, there was one guy in the in the six of us that didn't wake up until the next day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow is right. <laughs> so I got up. Uh, you know, they you know, had a masseuse come in, kind of get you back into your body. Uh, and then most of us were able to sit down, and have a light dinner that night, and you know, still slept great that night. But I felt like I'd, you know, people say it was like climbing Everest. I said, no, man, it's like climbing K two. You go why K two? Because K two is harder, and it was. And It's like I can, you know, people go, what's the real difference, physiological difference between ayahuasca and. Iboga I, Iboga, I would say this. I said, you know, ayahuasca is like Pikes Peak. Iboga K two. Big difference. Yeah, big difference between the two. So, you know, the next then the next day we wake up and they take us out to the beach house, and this is where we're going to smoke DMT from the frog. So from the frog. From the frog. The Sonoran. Desert toad. Or Desert stint? toad. Okay. The five m e o d t. Oh d you know, t. Yeah. They. Uh, you know, there's DMT, which they call the spirit molecule. They refer to this as the god molecule. The god molecule. Five m e o d m t. So you went there, and then was like we just kind of, and we didn't draw straws. We, uh, who wants to go first? So one of the cup, the first uh, one of the spouses from the Hollywood couple went. I went second. But you get into this room that's where the psycho spiritual counselor gets involved. Oh, I'm going to back up and say one other thing. When I came out of the aboga experience, the psycho spiritual counselor came came by and said, "Are you okay?" I said, "I'm alive." She goes, "Yes, you are," because I it was like that experience, like I thought I had, was going to die.
0: Mm. And as
1: part of that, I actually filmed a video. A good friend of mine actually filmed an interview with me, just in case I didn't make it back, so my family would have a record of. I hadn't lost my mind. Mm. What did what did Chris what was Chris doing down right. in Mexico doing this so they would have some record of the fact of what I was trying to do accomplish. Wow. Uh yeah, cause you're doing all this privately. I do yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm not yeah, my family still has no idea what I've done. Yeah. They just know that there's a different something Chris. changed. Yeah. Something changed. My, my, my brother refers to the old Chris as TMZ Chris. Uh so um, Back to the beach house. So you go in and you do DMT, and they have it set up to where you know there's the doctor in the room, there's a the there's the orderly who's a big guy, and there's uh, the psycho spiritual counselor ministering the DMT. And basically, you you make, they scrape it off. They have they have it. They, they dry it on a, a slide. They scrape it off and you smoke it. And you literally, when you take you take it in, that you fall back into a bunch of pillows. You're out before you even hit the. The, the pillows. pillows. And then I don't, I'm not sure how long I was out, but it was like all of a sudden I felt I was in a completely, totally different dimension. It's like I feel like I left my body. The first thing I saw was this infinity ribbon, and it was like there's no end to anything. And then all of a sudden I felt like, then I just saw all these sci- these panels. And I just remember the resolution was perfect. And I kept thinking, wow. And then you come out and you start to re-enter. And that's where things get really interesting. And cause you don't know where you are or I didn't know where I was. Others have had an easier transition. I had a rough one and then they work on trying to release things out of your lung, get you to scream kind of a scream therapy. And I did, I evidently had a lot of stuff to get out. Meantime, you know, there's you know, the stucco spiritual counselor, you know, keep trying to keep you calm. And I just remember smelling a lot of lavender too mm. when I came out. And the, the other guys got me held down. I looked up, there was the doctor, so I'm I'm safe. And I just felt very blissful through that. And then that night we had a real dinner, you know, hung out on the beach. Uh the next morning, uh, we they gathered us up and had it take us back to the airport. The striking thing was is that the Marine that was there night and day difference from that Friday afternoon to that Monday morning. It was like a, it's like the cloud had lifted and he was a completely different person.
0: And it was really, that was just wonderful to see. That's cool. Cause they say things like this. It's like 30 years of psychotherapy in like a weekend kind of, thing. I did 30 years of therapy in 30 hours. Mm. And, Felt great, yeah, and it was so evident. And this mm-hmm. marine, that had PTSD yeah. from some serious stuff.
1: Yeah, he, he he'd, he'd have been to Fallujah during the worst part of it. So, yeah, and so that was it was wonderful to see.
0: So, so much potential for healing, especially people that had mm-hmm. some serious traumas experiences. Yeah. And it was like I said, it was great to see. So
1: we get back. I'm. You know, of course, one of the good things they do is I take all your electronics away, so you're unplugged. not yeah, you're unplugged, and because you you, you don't want to you, <laughs> you start calling people. You don't up. want to, you don't want <laughs> to start calling people when you're doing this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was good, and got my phone back because I like go on. You know, I had and you know, I was like going, okay, and I literally kept my phone off as long as I could, and I stayed another night uh, in San Diego, and that's when you saw me on the back end.
0: Yeah, yeah, we went out to dinner and mm-hmm. gas lamp. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, that was fascinating, man. I mean there was this sort of softness about you, mm-hmm. uh even around you. Uh yeah, the aura just like was wasn't stiff anymore. Yeah. You know? And uh we had a great like seafood dinner. We did. You know? And uh yeah, you were just kinda telling me the same story mm-hmm. which you're sharing to you know, the world. And, uh, so you came back to San Diego and then what was going on after that? Well, from San Diego, then I had, unfortunately
1: had to go, literally go back to Salt Lake just long enough to turn around and go back East to go to the home office for the, with the firm I was working with then. Okay.
0: So and, this is back to what you're saying yeah, about we re, reintegrating, reintegrating the Western paradigm. Yeah.
1: And that was a little harsh, uh, but was it, uh, I, but I caught, caught up with a consultant of mine. Uh, on the connecting flight, he's like, "Man, you seem pretty relaxed." I said, mm, "Yeah, <laughs> I am." And then I had to, you know, had to, you know, go back and go deal with the material world. Uh, what, what were some of the things that were hard for you going back? Well, uh, the firm I was working with at the time had was doing some idiotic things and basically setting money on fire. And I've always been candid, but I've become more candid since then. And I was like, I couldn't, I had to basically bite my tongue a few times.
0: So you yeah, had things at the workplace. Yeah. And, I, then,
1: and it was like one of those things, it was, it was like, I realized, okay, another time for another transition. Okay. And
0: yeah. what about like your interactions with the world, like you were saying, like being able to, I was, uh, my, you know, with people
1: outside of like that situation the interactions were much better. People in, uh, friends, uh, particularly the, my, my female friends notice I'm a lot more grounded, much more my, much more present, not antsy, very grounded. And so they uh, could
0: tell that you're there with them. I'm there with them. Yeah. Listening.
1: Not off somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Chris. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: You know That anxiousness had gone away. So I felt very grounded respect. Now about a month after getting back, we did the follow up neurotransmitter transmitter test. And the powerful thing there was my serotonin increased by 175% before and after my norepinephrine epinephrine ratio went from full fight or flight to completely balanced. It was boom. Perfect.
0: Incredible. Yeah. And so this is something that's available for people that are suffering from things like anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm.
1: And I think it, the time has come in the society that we need to take more steps to integrate uh, these type of modalities into the greater, the greater medical world. Right. Because, I'm sorry, you know, I had been depressed. I've taken Zoloft. I've taken all these. And I just, I, I just got fat and unhappy on that stuff. And, you know, no, excuse me. No, let me go do this instead and it needs to be handled properly and i think that's the big thing is i think psychedelics got a bad name as far as part of the war on drugs but because we've lost a lot of years of research and that's things are now coming back into the into the front into the front with the maps project and things like that where they're using mdma
0: yeah exactly
1: and johns hopkins Mm -hmm. and doing psilocybin yeah and you know yeah, these are these are not recreational drugs. This is not you know, yeah, having a martini after work. These need to be handled
0: responsibly. Mm-hmm. And that was cool that this place that you went to you were fully medically mm-hmm. supervised. They looked at all your vital signs. That's right. Make sure you're good. You know, everybody else is good. And you, were, like I said, I felt safe. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, because that's important to you. That's like,
1: extremely important because that other you way, know, if you're worried about you know not coming back you kind of uh dampens the ability to really experience the journey that you're, you're supposed to be on right and
0: probably the uh setting was very uh homey yeah, or, it was it wasn't like a, a alien autopsy kind of thing no it know, was like-
1: very it was very good i mean uh, you know the, the clinic was on the second floor and there was like a recreational area with a garden and fountain up top so it
0: was you know very relaxing were they playing music during that time
1: uh they played music
0: during the dmt experience okay Wow. And so how long did they say that you were out for the DMT? Uh, I think I was out-out for about 20,
1: 25 minutes. And then, then there was the, the fuzzy period after when you're kind of
0: reintegrating into the world. Kind of like, like waking out of a dream? Ex- exactly. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. But, it's, I mean, compared to a boga, which lasted how long? My I was, you know, I was 14 hours. Yeah. And then five MEO DMTs only... Fifteen and twenty minutes. Yeah. But yeah. it was
1: both those two are a very good bookend. Okay. I mean it's like uh the is the work, the DMT is the reward.
0: What was the first one?
1: is Iboga. the work. The work. The DMT is the reward. Okay. Got it. That's how I took it. And those work real well together. And they've, and what I also did with those experience, I also engaged an integration coach. Uh, through Being True To You and worked with him for a year. Okay. Kind of like
0: reintegrating myself into the which world which is like I'm sure. important oh it's very important yeah
1: and i wish i would had done that after the ayahuasca experience
0: got it because a lot of people do these things and they're just like get this information this awakening but then they're just sort of like floating out there yeah they're not able to like get back in their bodies get back into the world with that knowledge yeah and i guess actualize themselves mm-hmm. or become a better uh servant of the world oh, that's right got it So, what was the next part of your journey after that?
1: Well, uh, you know, got a new gig and now I'm back in California. And I'm, you know, now I'm uh, uh, using a, uh, working with a combo, which is not a psychedelic, but it's still, it's a frog venom that helps clean out the body. Okay. Which is uh, actually had some very good use with depression and also alcoholism as well. So, I'm doing that as well. And I'm still contemplating going back and doing another boga experience, either. Uh, at the Crossroads, which has now moved to the Bahamas, or uh, down in Costa Rica, which is a more primal uh, experience where they actually did more of the, of the Bawati sense, which is the tribe in Africa that introduced Iboga to the world.
0: Got it. So, what about, uh, let's say you're now here, this is the, the, the Chris of now. Uh-huh. Um, looking back at the Chris from, you know, four years ago when you started listening to podcasts. Like, what has been your transformation, your metamorphosis?
1: Uh, My metamorphosis, wow. Uh, From the bicycle accidents to to now is... That was six years ago? Six years ago. I would say, as I'm fond of saying, is like the, the, the accident knocked the stick out of my ass. And I've been shitting splinters ever since. And the psychedelic experiences have really kind of accelerated that process. Um, I look at the world much differently. I look at things like, you know, when I walk through a mall, I look through people. I look, at, I look at people from a health perspective. I said, God, you need, you should, you know, you should change your diet, and you wouldn't, you know, be waddling down a mall or you know, things like that. I worry about kind of how the world's going as opposed to focused on what that. What's the next suit I'm gonna buy? And you know, one of the things I got away to when I came back from Jamaica, I had thrown everything in storage, and I just opened up the storage unit when I got back. I said, "What the hell am I doing with all this stuff?" And literally within a month of me getting back from Jamaica, a third of that stuff was gone.
0: You started purging materialism. I started purging, I
1: started mature, purging materialism. Also, with respect to the boga, my body really doesn't want alcohol anymore. Now, I'll occasionally have a drink, but it's more of a ritualistic thing as opposed to a habit thing. Right. And oddly enough, that actually has caused me problems with relationships. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you're not drinking? I said, well, because I don't want it. You're not fun. You know, it's like, wait, I'm plenty of fun. <laughs> 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 I don't need to get drunk to have fun.
0: Yeah. Or be fun. Yeah, so you lost, like, the craving for alcohol. I lost the craving for alcohol. I
1: also lost the need to show off. I lost the need to posture.
0: Right. Um it's yeah, like let let's it, get another round yeah and, you know here.
1: here it's like my like my brother said that that was tmz chris i mean basically my life was a i was a i had a collection of trophies you know the girlfriend the car the clothes the degrees etc not you know my degrees are just expensive
0: trophies on the wall now it's like you care less mm-hmm. so you become like just a more like compassionate human being yeah. like uh, Much
1: more compassion. Uh, really want to kind of more help people. In fact, you know that's where I, you know, I'm still I'm kind of struggling now on what the path I should take to actually
0: do more of that. Okay, so human. you're in a transition because you want to yeah. be of service more, yeah. uh, like instead of human, humans, doing
1: helping humans instead of private equity guys.
0: Okay, got it. And and the idea where that's heading because I know that part of your other uh, journey is doing all this other work with some of the biohacking technologies, mm-hmm. uh, manual, uh, you know, like massage work, mm-hmm. uh, getting in there and like in your jaw and yep. releasing like muscle tension.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm doing all kinds of stuff like that. And I think part of that, I think the first step probably is me, you know, sitting my butt down in a chair or a bench with a laptop and start putting in quote unquote pen to paper. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the reboot. Yeah. Chris reboot. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I mean, to me, that's part. I mean, people, you know, that's, that's how we learn. We learn through
0: stories. hmm And uh, what, what are there, um, you know, things that are you looking at to do in the future? Well,
1: I've looked at, for example, I've looked at, you know, getting into health coaching on the side. I've looked at Chris Cresser's program, which is more of an ancestral health type model. And, you know, I thought about, you know, I look at the from a health perspective. When my father told me, he goes, Chris, don't get into medicine. They're going to screw it up. He's that right in that regard. But, you know, I, I think we can fix it. And I think from a stamp from a societal standpoint, you know, I, I, I get really kind of annoyed with people. and I'm not talking about people who can't afford things. There's something separate we should do there. But from people who've got insurance, well, I don't want to do that because insurance didn't cover it. I'm like going, oh, so you want me to. Because that's how I look at it. So you're not going to take care of yourself. You're going to default to insurance, which means someone else behind the tree is paying for that stuff. Yep. And I also look from a standpoint, it's like, you know, yeah, is it cheap to do, to eat the way I eat? No. But I'm, extending, I'm increasing, I'm improving the quality of my life. I'm going to live longer. I'm going to be less of a burden, not just on, for myself, but on family, friends, loved ones, and society. By taking better care of myself plus i feel much better my brain
0: works better and you know we, we're happier this way yeah and then you, in the end actually get more productivity get more productivity more creativity more creativity and, and more and you, finance
1: <laughs> yeah and, and you know that's where i'm kind of i'm trying to i'm not i i'm struggling, i'm just trying to find the right path because i you know everyone's done somewhere i mean the ben greenfields the dave aspreys you know the brian rose they're all doing something i'm kind of trying to find my own way
0: yeah into that space Which is interesting because in my experience, it kind of finds you. It does. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, you know, like you said, writing down on paper, like what comes out, what your likes or dislikes are. And then just kind of sitting back and allowing that to like present itself. Mm -hmm. And that's been the case for me many, many times, you know. Um, There have been so many times where I try to like force a certain direction. And then life has this funny way of like course correcting you, you know. Well, it's uh, I rewatched
1: the movie The Way last night because I just had a cranial sacral session where that actually came up during the session with in relationship to you know Martin Sheen's character in the movie and his son who's Emilio Estevez. In my case, it was actually reversed because yeah. I was the son who made who's who's been on a journey where the my father died early. Yeah. In the in the journey. Yeah. And it was just kind of powerful to, to kind of get that frame and and going okay now what do i do of course you see the movie and in the movie martin sheen's like in morocco or something so that's yeah. to me
0: that's the metaphor for me it's like where do i want to go next is that the one with the camino del yeah. santiago yeah, yeah. path yeah yeah so martin sheen i remember watching that he takes this journey across, right. and it's like like how many hundreds of miles of of walking 500 miles okay and so, after watching that movie um, from getting a cranial sacral work, it, it reminded you of like being uh, more like Emilia Estevez or, or Martin Sheen.
1: I feel like I'm Martin Sheen's character, okay. but
0: but I'm not the father; I'm the son. I'm so the, the son. roles are reversed. The roles are reversed. Got it. And so, what are, what are the things that you're you're just more or less like trying to see what what comes up? I just got I
1: need to go do i have to do figure this out and i'm not and that's where i'm it's like i need to get out of my freaking head and stop analyzing it and start just doing it right and i think that'll it'll come has anything kind of present itself from your heart I, st- I still think i'm identifying with the chris Kresser stuff the ancestral hell i've also on, on the complete flip side i look at you know putting things into perspective from a global macro standpoint because I've always been very good at strategy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a friend of mine told me, this, you really need to be more, do more strategy oriented things. So I look at kind of where we are as a society and we are spending 19%
0: of our GDP on healthcare. That's entirely too high. I heard that's, that it's, uh, it's going to bankrupt the nation real that's, bad it like, will. with just diabetes mm-hmm. and what was the other... Uh, there was like two different or heart disease or yeah. two different things that- but
1: it's like it's all lifestyle related yeah and it's like that goes back to my comment about the insurance it's like you know we all have we all are, are responsible for ourselves you know you may it sure yeah you know, we all have the drunk monkey telling us no 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 the cookie's fine no the cookie's not fine and you need just we have to frame it differently we need to get more people people need to be more responsible not just we as you know, Americans and consumers, but companies need to be more responsible as well. And you starting. you're starting to see that you're starting to see the growth of that, of that, that path. I mean, you know, for example, you know, like the bulletproof conference or the bio, I haven't been to a biohacker conference, but I've been to like paleo FX. I mean, that's what paleo FX big into that, Mm -hmm. you know, people taking charge of it. In fact, I remember the first two years I was at paleo FX. What I noticed was, is that there were a lot of mothers there trying to figure out how to fix their kids because their doctors couldn't provide the answers.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult. Like for most people eating processed foods and the addictive nature of that was designed by these companies mm-hmm. to get you to consume, consume, consume. Assume. And it, it is. I mean, just for me trying to stop drinking coffee um the the idea of like going to some shop to get a drink every day for uh even if it wasn't coffee like a matcha tea or a chai latte or you know you develop this habit and it's like in the in your mind you can you can feel that like craving that's right right. and it's like how do you break (laughs) that right and um not everybody gonna have the ability to do uh psychotherapy or psychedelics under a supervised setting. So how can someone break that cycle? You know, there's other cheaper ways to do it. I mean, there's yeah. a Pavlok. I mean, that's kind of rudimentary
1: and you know, people go, well, you, will you shock yourself? Yeah, you do, but it's not like you're sticking your finger into a light socket. It's just a subtle nudge and that's right. what you're, it's, but it starts with those little things. And it's something you, you know, if you want to reboot your life, Okay, you don't have, need to go to the Bahamas now to go to Crossroads to redo that. You know, you can, you can. It's small steps. Start with small steps.
0: Yeah, the first thing I could think of that helped me because I've tried like all these different things throughout the years, and that that whole thing about having a traumatic brain injury that we were talking about before we started and is to say hey there's nothing wrong with me per se you know like there's you don't really need to fix like the higher self there's just a part of your brain that may have been damaged from getting a trauma in the head like we've all hit our heads at some point and according to like science and research that these uh down uh, cascades you know downstream cascades are are leading to like hormone deficiencies and uh, issues with neurotransmitters and uh, the electrical signals you know the biochemical um, molecules in the brain so maybe you're having these perceptions of the world and these cravings because your brain is not actually like fully online correct you know and that that was like the answer for me because I actually, um, got a blood test, saw what I was deficient in, replenished those things, and within like two days, like my morning depression, I had anxiety uh, from most of my life I was gone. Oh, perfect! You know, and that was just from taking something simple as pregnenolone. Wow! And then, and then being on that protocol for about a month to balance the chemistry in my brain i just lost two belt sizes without even trying to exercise wow. right and so i was like wow i feel so amazing what, what else can i do you know and so a lot of people are using like willpower mm-hmm. and we already seen that that's that's very limited well you only really have so much willpower yeah and i think
1: the simplest thing someone can do for example is check your fasting glucose in the morning mm-hmm. that'll tell you how your blood's processing and sugars. so how
0: how would somebody do that uh
1: for example, there's a machine called Adario. And you they'll give you the machine free, but you buy the strips. And you can buy glucose strips almost anywhere. Okay. At any any drugstore. And I get this goes back to something I learned at Paleo FX. Dr. Pellmutter was talking about the fact that if you have a fasting glucose number of under of ninety-four or less in the morning on a regular basis, the chances of you getting Alzheimer's, a condition which there is no cure. Which he reiterated every time he said the word Alzheimer's. Chances of you getting are slim to none. If you are in shape, the chances of you getting Alzheimer's are slim to none. He presented all that data. Mm-hmm. Our health is in our hands. Yeah. This idea that you have to rely upon a guy with a white coat, which is a Madison Avenue creation, by the way, to me is ridiculous. You are in charge of your health. I am the CEO of my
0: E O of my body right right so and in my mind yeah so you got to, as a person say i i i want my my power back it's right yeah and you can take it back the ability is out there i mean yeah you
1: know people talk about you know making fun of dr google there's enough information out there mm-hmm. you know talk to people and i mean i'm not saying you go out and treat yourself on stuff but you know be be be, uh, be proactive
0: yeah, it's, it's crazy because, you know, some people always, it always leads to some kind of, like, objection, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of excuse. And, you know, uh, it is definitely difficult, like, based on, like, your peer group, you know, right? And well, people that you're surrounding yourself, the environment that you're in. Um, you know, if you have, like, these kind of products in your house, it's going to be easy to just reach for those things when you're at your weakest, yeah. you know? And so there's, like, so many... Like, it's, it's pretty much, like, everybody knows, like, how to, like, get better, you know? It's not like they don't know, like, I need to move more. I need to eat better. I need to get outside. I need to hang around cool people, you know, they are supportive. Like, we all know all these things. Drink more more water. That's right. Right? Eat organic. And uh, it's just, I'm just trying to think, like, what was it about us that made the shift you know, and it seemed like it was a desperation moment. Oh, like I said, it was me. It was that night in the hospital.
1: Yeah, and it literally took me breaking my neck and almost being a paraplegic or quadriplegic to wake my ass up. And right. ironic, the funny thing is, I remember seeing this black cat about three minutes before I had the accident. And in hindsight, I'm kind of thinking that was like an angel going, "We're about to dump your shit," and that's exactly what happened. But it took that. I mean, I was, I had was doing okay. But I wasn't, I wasn't be,
0: being who Chris can be. Right, right. I've also noticed for me, uh, sometimes you hear people say the same thing, but it takes somebody to say it in a way that you've never heard it before, yeah. and then it just like. Yeah, it's it like locks a key. Yeah, it. It's like the right key and the right lock. Right, right. So it's just a matter of like, you know, a lot of people are like, Tony, how do you like do what you do? How do you meet the people that you do? It's it's, a, it's something that you have to like decide. Like, this is how I want to live my life. Yeah. And I, I deserve to have this. Life is mm-hmm. short, you know. And um, have you had that kind of moment as well? Oh, yeah. It's like I'm, I'm in that
1: moment space right now. Yeah, I'm in my mid-50s. And it's like I'm conversation with my astrologer you know you're at a point in your life you're not sure if you want to keep doing what you're doing i said no nah, i don't man i still have bills to pay but i got to
0: figure out a way to find another path yeah wow man so uh yeah we got like magic flow best coming up and so you're giddy up yeah, we're bringing, you we're, got, bringing, you some, we're, bringing toys. we're bringing
1: some new toys <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're bringing the neuro light which is
1: uh which is emdr on steroids yep uh what is emdr uh that's light therapy okay and it's really. Uh, it's great for like PTSD and a variety of things, and I've got a, a booklet on a, a, a number of things we
0: can we can do. and it's, it really is just a taste. Right, right. So if you could explain how like, how would light therapy be beneficial for someone like, in terms of like shifting their state, it, it shifts your state, it's allow, it allows you to shape uh, your brain from a, from a vector
1: standpoint. It's, it, I consider the MDR work is like uh, neurofeedback, but not with uh, voltage, but with light. Okay. Because those two light, the brain responds to light, regardless. Like it's an EMDR device, like it's like the NeuroLight or a uh, a Da Vinci device from Canada or a ViLight, which is another thing, another type of light, but that for a different purpose. Mm-hmm. The, the brain responds to light.
0: Yeah, obviously, because we need the sun. Right, and when so the see. sun has an impact on mm-hmm. our, like our moods. That's right. Our uh, metabolic functions, and so they you have this this one particular technology is supposed to like induce these sort of processes in the body. Mm-hmm. Okay, it
1: allows you to kind of shape where your mind wants to, where your mind where your mind wants to go. I mean, there's a number of modalities inco- incorporated in the neurolite. and they have a protocol for you know less alcohol dependence. They have a, a protocol for, uh, reducing worry, a, a re- revert, uh, reducing anxiety, uh, you know, brain balance, you know, trying to, to resync your hypothalamus with your pineal gland, all kinds of things. It's a
0: variety of, it's pretty cool stuff. So you wouldn't have to, uh, use like pharmaceuticals per se. You can use, I'm, I would, I'm
1: not a doctor. I don't play on the internet. Uh, I like this technology and I, I'm not gonna get into that representation. So. Right, right. Yeah. It's
0: basically a tool to it's a tool. to like, you know, shift your mood. Exactly. It's yeah. a tool to shift your moods. Right. And so you have uh also this other light called like the Juve. I have the Juve light, which is an infrared for
1: collagen build, uh and other in other types of uh, kind of reboots and uh your cells from a uh, energetic standpoint. And uh, is that like actually like warm or? No, it's very warm. Okay. In fact, uh, you know, sometimes what I'll do, I'll do yoga stretching in front of it to help me loosen up my muscles. Uh, what I do in the morning is I'll, I'll stand on my vibration plate in front of the Juve Light naked because the Juve Light's good for produce, uh, boosting testosterone.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. So, how long have you been using that for?
1: Uh, about six months now. Okay.
0: And, and what are the results have you found from it?
1: Uh, you know, better skin tone. Uh, I think my Feeling more, manly. more manly, more <laughs> manly, uh,
0: bigger <that>. balls. <laughs> 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 I'm not even responding to that. Yeah. <laughs> <Hey> man, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cause there's no good way to respond. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, uh, man.
1: Uh, so that you know i got that and then the, the other the other toys i got and you know i'm, I'm you know as we, we discussed earlier i'm gonna do some uh, brain st- uh brain stem cells and some of that technology i'll incorporate with that uh you know the 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 violates in my nose which actually gets uh, in, in the nasal in the nasal it helps circulate improve circulation in your brain uh there's the uh I forgot, I'm drawing a blank on the the, 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 the lights that you put in your ears. In the ear, okay. Yeah. Which helps with sleep. That also helps. Uh, I've got the, the halo, which helps with... Which is a okay, an
0: electrical, electrical... device that comes across <laughs> top of your head.
1: Okay. Uh, I've got a circadia, which helps with sleep and ramping down uh, adrenals, which I've had some issues with. Got it. There's so, like, I mean, there's tons of things. Fortunately, I do stuff that pays me to do this. So well, I, don't, I get paid to do this, but I have. Fort- I'm fortunate and very thankful that I have a living that I, af- I can do things like that and experiment. Now, it's experiment, part, yeah. It's, it's part of that, I think it's part of the things why I want to do with the book is kind of share those technologies and my experience with those.
0: Yeah, so you're doing self-experimentation yeah. because you're taking responsibility for your own life, your Go own ahead. health. Yeah. And so you're using all these different technologies and tools that are out there to try to find mm-hmm. out how to uh, not just heal. Could you have uh, traumatic brain injuries from uh football football and bikes that, that bike accident. accident and also yeah. i think i've got one from skiing from skiing okay uh, got it and then uh just you know the years of stress and abuse from you know working in a in a high stress environment work life and life, you know marriage yeah
1: it's not good for us to you know be hunched over a computer for you know 25 plus years on a keyboard we're
0: not built to do that and how's your body been feeling like since you've been on that journey? Pretty or, good. Yeah, you, yeah can, pretty good. you can feel like the the rewinding, uh, you know. Yeah,
1: I, I a little bit of aging backwards. Okay. And I've, I'm like I said, I'm blessed to have that happen. I mean, I'd, my back, my bicycle accident could have gone a completely different direction, and I'm blessed with the fact that it didn't. And I have full use of my neck. Full use of my shoulders, legs, etc. So,
0: all's go, all is well. Yeah, knock on wood. Well, Chris, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story. It was my pleasure, super man. Powerful. Um, I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy that, especially those that are maybe new to this space. Uh, especially uh, those people that are maybe on the same path that you were on, you know, in like corporate, um, kind of doing that, like nine to five, like, you or know, nine to nine. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> nine to nine, yeah, exactly, for years. Half days. Yeah, <laughs> half days, crazy, man. And uh, that they have, like, an opportunity to uh, heal from all these different things that we ex- are experienced and uh, exposed to in life. So, um, again, you know, uh, do that stuff responsibly. It's not a toy. It's it, You need to be doing it with someone that has experience with that. And also remember that
1: where you do it is important. Yep. Because legality is determined by jurisdictions and boundaries and borders, which is driven a lot by commercial interest. hmm Exactly. But, but
0: be careful. Your greatest threat may be a legal one. Right. Right. Great, great words of wisdom there, man. So thank you so much for coming on, Hangry and Horny.
1: My pleasure, brother.
0: Thanks for tuning in, everybody. That was an incredible story that Chris shared about his psychedelic journey, um, trying to transition out of the energy business, being a 30-year veteran of that business and looking to doing something that's more meaningful and significant in his life and psychedelics is no joke this is uh this is not a toy it's it's a tool and it needs to be respected and done properly in the right set and setting just like chris and i said you know this uh, is not for everybody and uh you know for those that choose to do it you want to make sure that you are safe and that you're with the proper spotter or guide or shaman and you always had that option to just say no as well if something doesn't feel right to you. And, you know, maybe this is not the time to do it. And so it's just important because psychedelic medicine is, is that. But then, you know, the, the devil's in the dose. And if you're not doing it respectfully, properly, and safely, uh, it, can, it can turn real go south real quickly so just be aware of that for those that are interested that are considering you know going on these journeys um some of these medicines are legal some of them are illegal depend on where you do them um and it's just one of those things that you know maybe it's it just kind of finds you versus you going out and seeking it so if you do find yourself again um you know interested in this do all your research and uh understand that there are other ways to tap into another perspective that psychedelics provide. Uh maybe it's not as powerful but you know sometimes the more subtle things like exercise induce endorphins or you know changing your nutrition, your lifestyle uh, getting away from screen time and looking out in the horizon of, you know, an ocean or the sky or the forest. There are different things that we can do naturally to to kind of shift our perspective, including getting more sleep and learning how to do breathing exercises and, you know, learning to tune into yourself and uh, differentiating, you know, the difference, as Chris calls your your higher self versus your ego and there's nothing wrong with the ego it's just a part of our brain that was developed through evolution to keep us to survive to you know to uh you know kill for for food to to fuck to procreate and uh you know just to really connect with each other so Just going on a tangent there, but my point is that, you know, this is, psychedelics is is not a joke again, and it's something to be taken seriously. It's awesome that there's so much research going on now on the benefits of this and how to safely uh, provide this option to people that are having, uh, like, for example, treatment-resistant depression and other issues from anxiety and post-traumatic stress and, uh, you know, traumatic brain injuries. So if you're interested, again, just do your research. And, uh, you know, I'm just, again, thankful for Chris for sharing his story because it took a lot of courage for someone of his stature in the, as an executive in the energy business to you know, really come out and share his story on how he has been able to heal from his past traumas and head injuries. This show is sponsored by F Bomb Nut Butters. I absolutely love their macadamia based nut butters. If you're interested in trying it, go to their website, drop dropanfbomb.com or fatbomb.com and use the promo code FLOWREAL, F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L, and you'll get 20% off of your first order. Thank you guys so much for listening. You're all amazing and sexy and powerful and beautiful. And, uh, you know, life is so short. We're on an incredible planet that's just spinning around a star that's blasting through the galaxy. So let's not lose perspective on that. Really go out there and, uh, you know, live an awesome life. Love you.